And welcome back to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And it has been a hot minute, y'all. I'm sorry about that. It's um, been a long December, but yeah, there's it's... reason to believe that this year <laughs> will be better than the last. Fingers fucking crossed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, we don't need to dwell on 2020 any longer than the world already has. Suffice to say... It made it hard for us at times, uh, but we're we're here and we're back and we're going to do our damnedest to be more consistent releasing in 2021 than we were last year uh, because we like doing this. And, you know, if we can manage that, then that'll be great. Chris, um, I like talking to you on a weekly basis. I like that, too. That's one of my favorite things about doing this show. But yeah, we are back and we thought that a nice way of kind shaking of the rust off yeah shaking the rust off and getting back into the swing of our show would be taking a look at kind of the past year in games uh i want to make clear we are not going to be doing like here's our top 10 games of 2020 i um, haven't even played 10 games that came out in I, 2020 i might have but i don't think i have i think i've played like five or six that came out last year <laughs> um but what I do want to do is I was I, I want to take a look at what other people were pegging as their games of the year. Because it's a it seems to me like a very different kind of cross-section of games than is usually included in that kind of list. Yeah. Uh, um, video games had a very different vibe in the 2020 video game zeitgeist. Yeah. And like you know we can't blame that on 2020 because like sure you know, we can no no <laughs> sure we can <laughs> no but like like none of the games that were coming out this year began development this year or like no. i certainly don't think any of them did if they did like what the fuck is that development team on um Crunch. but like it is interesting to me and like the the i guess the elephant in the room and like kind of the the closest encapsulation of what exactly I'm I'm thinking about and wanting to talk about is if you look at like the game awards there is a not inconsiderable number of people who were shocked and disappointed when a game made by the studio Supergiant a little game you might have heard of called Hades which is a charming little indie game did not beat the industry favorite Last of Us Part 2 from, you know, one of the most prestigious and pedigreed AAA studios in the business. Right. And the fact that that was, like, those two games were both in discussion for Game of the Year at the Game Awards is fascinating to me. <laughs> and I kind of, like like, that was kind of what got me thinking about this. And I just kind of wanted to look at, like, what are the games that came out this year that were really like talked about in that way and just kind of examine them and and give sort of a retrospective on this year that was very weird in the games industry in terms of like what took off and what didn't and like what stuck with people okay i'm actually going to open up a wikipedia uh, article 
that shows every game that released in 2020 just to have as like a frame of reference that's probably not a bad idea i think i'm going to do the same thing i've got a couple of other like tabs open with with data but oh my god i uh i forgot that marvel's avengers came out this year <laughs> i forgot that marvel's avengers came out I yeah like, I not, I like not trying to throw shade but that no it's it's something that I forget until someone reminds me and then I have to ask myself didn't you used to be a huge fan of Square Enix you would have been super excited about this if you were still thirteen fourteen yeah oh my god uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot released in January of this year oh man that feels like it was longer ago than that yeah um. But yeah, like I think that to start with, I think that one of the things that I was kind of was really cool to see this year was the and I I think this is directly the fault of, you know, the coronavirus pandemic and 2020 being kind of a year of people having to be isolated. But the degree to which things like Fall Guys and Among Us just like took over Animal Crossing Animal Crossing, I again, a game that I forgot came out this year. But yeah, yeah, like there there was a huge, I think, uptick in appetite for games that you could just kind of like be in. Yeah. Like I know um, I've I've talked to a lot of people who like got back into things like Stardew Valley in a big way, or, you know, Animal Crossing Fever took over for like the first half of this year and for some people never let go. <laughs> and like I think that that is, I think that that's telling. And I think that like, we already did a whole episode before about that kind of game and the, the very particular kind of like pleasure and joy and engagement that they trade in. So I don't know that we need to do like a, a, a super deep dive on that. No, uh, I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, but I do think that like Among Us and Fall Guys speak to, again, that kind of like, this was the year of the Zoom and Among Us in particular, you know, I, I can think of many times that like when we were in college, Dylan, that we would, you know, have evenings playing things like Werewolf or Mafia with our friends. Yeah. yeah. And I think and that, this is that exact same note. Yeah. It's the same impulse. It's the same desire. It's like, I want to be social with people. I can't responsibly be social with people in person. And this game comes out that provides that exact perfect kind of like tell lies, crack jokes, make fun of each other, take the piss out of each other fun right. that like people needed. Yeah. And did it in like a very charming little way. Like, again, I, I, I think among us won, it won something at the game awards. I do not have the heart to look up the game awards. So I'm, I'm not, I'll just That's take fair. your word for it. Yeah, I, I just Googled Among Us Game Awards. It won for best multiplayer game and best mobile game. And that's... Hey, nice. Wait, Among Us, was re Among Us released in 2018? Wait, what? What I the fuck? Like I've been lied to. Hold up, I hold didn't. up. Oh, maybe, that was like, in, maybe that was like a pre-release or like the, an early access? Version? Or it was maybe released it was on iOS and version. Android device in June 2018 and Microsoft Windows in November 2018 featuring cross-platform play between these platforms. 
It was released on the Nintendo Switch in 2020. Why did I not hear anything about this? Like, why did this game not exist in the public consciousness until this year? Well, I guess I maybe we maybe we already talked about that. Yeah, I, I think we answered our own question, but it's still kind of shocking how it this game that just maybe maybe a bunch of streamers were playing it because they were looking for something to play with friends. Maybe. Um, and or alternatively, they had a lot more time to stream stuff, so they went through a lot more games. And then, you know, one famous streamer happened to be playing Among Us, and it just caught on with the audience, and then maybe it spread I, out from there. I want to do some like fucking research into this now, because uh, the the fact that it released two years ago is throwing me. Oh, um, uh, the Wikipedia article actually says um, it received an influx of popularity in 2020 due to many well-known tw- uh, Twitch streamers and YouTubers playing it. There you go. Um, I don't necessarily know. Oh, there's even a subsection for initial spike in popularity. Uh, while Among Us released in 2018, it was not until mid-2020 that it saw a surge in, of popularity, initially driven by content creators online in South Korea and Brazil. Uh, Bromander stated, Bromander's a great name, Bromander stated that the <laughs> game is more popular in Mexico, Brazil, and South Korea than the United States. According to Willard, um, I guess Willard Bromander's uh, one of the developers, possibly? I did not see where else his name came up in the article, but uh, yes, he, he's one of the artists on the game. Okay, and one of the designers. Um, according to Broman, uh, I lost my place. Uh, according to Willard, uh, Twitch streamer Soda Poppin first popularized the game on Twitch in July 2020. Many other Twitch streamers and YouTubers followed suit, including prominent content creators XQC, Pokimane, Shroud Ninja, and PewDiePie. Um, and then, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic was yeah. frequently cited. Uh, I feel like anyone who's living through these times doesn't need me to explain that. <laughs> um, the COVID-19 pandemic was a period of time that is ongoing. <laughs> yeah, um, we are, but we are I, in that. Wikipedia I think it's article. still worth considering this game as like kind of a 2020 breakout, even if to, to my in, immense shock, it was not released this year. But like, yeah, it, again... That next paragraph on the Wikipedia article kind of just says what we were saying. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is frequently cited as a reason for the popularity as it allowed for socializing despite social distancing. Like, it's... Yeah. And I think that speaks to things like Fall Guys, too. Like, Fall Guys is also just kind of like a wild idea for a game that I think... Given the saturation of things like Battle Royales, seeing someone take such a weird twist on that format was always going to get some like attraction to it mm-hmm. uh but then i think you know similarly being able to do that like you know hop in a game with a few of your friends and shit talk while you're bouncing off of each other in fall guys is just like that is kind of exactly what the doctor orders as far as like staying sane during the last 10 months but then the what i find really interesting in looking at this year is Near the beginning of this year, uh, in fact, in... Wow, not even as near the beginning as I thought. This year has fucked with my sense of time. In June, when The Last of Us Part Two released. <laughs> I I was certain in my brain that that was like, yeah, that was back in like March. Nope. No, June sounds about right for me. Yeah. Um, but Last of Us yeah. Part Two comes out, and it is... If it's not the biggest game of the year, it's certainly up there in that conversation Mm -hmm. and i like you know 
It's from Naughty Dog. It is the sequel to what is widely considered one of, like, the... A pivotal moment as far as, like, how game developers told stories and the kind of stories they were telling in terms of The Last of Us. And it, you know, it's been in development for forever. It's got this huge buildup. It's from one of the top AAA studios in the world. And it comes out and it is immediately polarizing. Yeah. And here's where, Dylan, have you played it? I have not played The Last of Us Part 2, um, partially because I liked The Last of Us Part 1, but I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've been kind of lukewarm on every Naughty Dog game since then. Which I guess is really only Uncharted 4, but I was lukewarm on Uncharted 3 as well. So I wasn't exactly rushing to play Last of Us Part 2, although I am willing to give it a try at some point. Yeah, I I also have not played it um, because I don't have a PlayStation 4 or 5, uh, in, in addition to the fact that like I hadn't played the original Last of Us. I I know a lot about The Last of Us. I've watched playthroughs and I've I've, you know, done sort of my media consumption on it. <laughs> um, but it was immediately a polarizing game, uh, partially because of the stories that came out about its development process and that ever-present boogeyman of modern ga- AAA game development, Crunch. But then also just, like, I have heard so many different takes on its subject matter and the way that it handles it from so many different people Mm-hmm. Uh, some people argue that it is, you know, a little too misery pornish and a little bit too, like... Self-indulgent. Yeah, self-indulgent in the ways that it handles things like trauma. Other people find it really compelling and find those aspects of it very interesting and well-realized. And so, like, you know, I'm not here to issue a and judgment on this game. you have the people who throw out all nuance and just shit on it because it's popular or praise it because... It's prestigious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's this is the way with Oscar bait, and now that we're getting into the world of Oscar bait existing in games too, that's always going to be the way. Like, there are going to be yeah. people who see it and be like, this is going to have people give it awards, so I will like it or dislike it, depending right. on my personality. This appeals um, to so many people that it's probably the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that, there's, there's a lot... On either side. And I, I will say, everything I've seen about, like, the... Let me let me pivot that statement. As an actor and a performer, it fascinates me. And I think that it's an incredible milestone for, like, what acting and performance in games is going to look like going forward. Yeah. Like, the work they did with performance capture, the way that they worked with the actors to direct those performances and capture them and translate them. And like the, the, the distance that performance capture has come since its early days with things like fucking LA noir to the actual, like shockingly photorealistic performances that we are able to generate today. It's all really cool. And I, I do not want this to be like backstage gaming thinks that, um, that, that, uh, there's no redeeming values in this game or anything. But I think that like, it came out and it had its moment of being like the big thing that didn't last as long as I was expecting it to. No, it was honestly quite it. Like it wasn't ghosts of uh, Tsushima levels of flash in the pan, but yeah. Um, 
I mean, even Ghost of Tsushima, I still see people on social media posting like photo mode shots that they're oh, taking dude. in that. That's really more cool. or less reliably since it came out to today. Like it definitely the the hype faded fairly quickly for Ghost of Tsushima as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people stuck with it longer than they did with Last of Us Two, and you know, part of that is it's an open world game, and Lost Last of Us Two is you know it's a linear story. Uh, so it's naturally not going to have the same amount of like you can just kind of play it forever, but it was it is weird the degree to which like it came out and it was the subject of conversation for you know and I'm I don't have perfect hindsight here but I'm it f- didn't feel like more than a few weeks before it kind of just like faded mm-hmm. and like again Until I'm it having came to back look for the game awards yeah yeah. <laughs> And it's weird because, like, I'm looking back on this and I'm like, is that, not now that I'm saying this out loud on our podcast, whoops, I'm thinking, like, is that that unusual or did it just feel unusual because of how hyped up it was beforehand? I really don't know. Um, I, Like, I imagine that, because, like, there, there's always going to be a case of, like, a huge game that, like, has, like, massive hype, but only a devoted audience stays. yeah. Like, I guess I'm. I, I I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened with Metal Gear Solid Two. That was one of the highest selling PS2 games, but like, you know, after that, like, only so many people returned for three. Yeah, I guess part of that is it. It stands out so much in contrast to me because games like, um, uh, like Among Us and Fall Guys, were the thing for like. You know, Fall Guys kind of for the whole first half of 2020, it seemed like, and then Among Us for the whole rest of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then even something, again, the the sort of the other like big game that really prompted this in my head, Hades. Hades was like, it wasn't huge before its release, but like it was... It was relatively popular. Um, it was relatively popular games. kind of for the entire time it was in early access, which... yeah started in like late 2018 or early 2019 I want to say mm-hmm. um and then it came out and was huge and has not like the hype for Hades hasn't really died down since then yeah I don't at like, least not in not the the circles of social media it. that I see yeah and that that might be another element but yeah. I feel like even most influencers I follow at least like they're still talking about Hades yeah um, and I, I don't know if I can say the same thing about uh, some other releases. Even, like, you know, they've moved on from Among Us uh, yeah. or, you know, um, Fall Guys, for example. Yeah. But, like, you know, the and that could just be because more people are still discovering Hades or I, I don't know. But I, yeah. I think well, I, mean, I also even think looking... that Hades. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. I, I think that, like, you know, putting Among Us and... Uh, Fall Guys to the side for a second. I think Hades has endured as well as it has because it is like The Last of Us. It is a single player story driven game. However, unlike The Last of Us, Hades is designed around pretty relatively short like sessions of gameplay. Um, and it, it, it has such a pick up and play nature to it. that yeah. I think it's more yeah. accessible of a work than the last of us which is i think that supposed makes to be sense. this 20 hour long epic detailing the super important story of ellie from the last of us part one yeah <laughs> and so. i think that that 
that definitely, I think that tracks because like Hades is a game that you will, the average person who likes Hades will spend way more hours in total playing it than the average person who likes The Last of Us Part Two, just by virtue mm-hmm. of the kind of experience they are. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like when I sit down to play Hades, as I frequently do, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like, you know, I have to be in a certain kind of mood to want to like start up a new file of like, I don't know, Dishonored 2 or, mm-hmm. you know, name your kind of very story driven, typical first like uh, single player game. I, I do not need to be in that same kind of mood to pick up Hades again or to even think like, I want to start a new run of Hades mm-hmm. and like try different things this time. Just because it does have that kind of like, it feels like playing a level or playing like a round of a board game almost more than, you know, a chapter of yeah. a more traditional story-based game. Like, I, I think for me, the, don't want to say the interesting thing, but like the main quality of Hades that kind of sets it apart from prestige games like The Last of Us um, or Days Gone, Ghost of Tsushima, um, basically everything yeah. Sony puts out. Every uh, AAA game of the last five years. <laughs> right. Um, is that I, I feel like it, it It kind of acknowledges its strengths as a game and leans into delivering story through a more gamey way. Like the story in Hades progresses through your failure. It acknowledges failure and death states as a part of the game experience. Yeah. And thus renders it part of the story where every time you return back to the starting area upon death, that's when um that's when you learn more of the story developments and the the plot actually progresses through your death yeah which can um, i just say like i it's so cool to see a roguelike engage with with that aspect of the design from a narrative perspective mm-hmm. like that's one of the coolest because like there's tons of roguelikes out there there's a it, it the genre has an entire name at this point so like there's plenty <laughs> out there i can't think of any others that like view the death as more than that gameplay aspect, or at least that do as much with that idea as, mm-hmm. as Hades does. Um, let me think. I think the closest thing I can think of is like when you first stumble upon the Hunter's Dream and Bloodborne. Yeah, that one tracks, but like even it's then, to the same extent now. Yeah, like there's that aspect of it, and like, oh, you died because you were supposed to, and now you're here, so now you can progress. But right. then subsequent deaths don't do anything. I guess there's a similar thing a little bit in Dark Souls 3 with like your ability to like channel your number of deaths into free levels for one of the endings of the game. Mm. There's a little bit there and the fact that that does unlock a, a, an alternate ending is very cool, but it's it's still not the same like that is the thing about Hades in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, you were you were saying something and i interrupted to gush (laughs) oh no you're fine uh like the closest things i can think of is that like you know undertale remembers your previous failed states yeah um and so like they'll make comments on that and then uh there's a shmup on steam called zero ranger um and that has this cool like theme of like reincarnation um so when you it's like not as blatant as something like Hades or Undertale, but I think it deserves a it deserves a mention. But yeah, no, I really can't think of anything that does it to the same extent as Hades. 
Although I'm sure there's probably one out there. If there is, let us know. Yeah, no, I I would love more games like that. I I love nothing more than a game that like really ties mechanics to story, as should be obvious by like eighty percent of the episodes we've put up on as, this show. As, <laughs> as displayed by the concept behind this show. Yes. I do need to say, and this is my my little personal soapbox that I will I'm gonna set up and I'm gonna say my piece quickly and then I'm going to take it and fold it up and put it back into my closet. I don't want to say that I don't think The Last of Us Part Two deserved to win Game of the Game of the Year at like the you know the big video game awards. Award shows don't really matter to <laughs> like that's kind of just the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that. In 2020, in the in the world that we are living in, you know, socially, economically, politically, the the story that is be that would have been told by this small game from a small studio that has garnered a huge amount of excitement, sort of naturally, being produced by a studio that forced its employees to take at least 20 days of vacation a year. Beating the idea of that game beating out the industry standard AAA crunch developed game, it would have been a huge David and Goliath moment. It would have like that is the kind of thing that I would have loved to see. That is the kind of thing that would have made me feel like, oh, this industry that makes all of this art that I love, but that does it in a way that I frequently don't, is learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I well, like. I, you know the whole i feel like the whole thing is that like the video game or video games culture at large is still looking for its alan moore moment when like alan moore wouldn't want and like another medium to have an alan moore moment you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah where it's like this is something where you can point to mainstream normies and be like see this thing i like is deep and complex um and I think, you know, uh, like, Hades doesn't exactly have that. Hades is something that kind of knows what video game strengths are and plays with, like, within that space. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, is appreciated by a lot of people, obviously, but something that isn't quite accepted by the mainstream yet because yeah, I feel I, like the mainstream still feels like it has something to prove. I think that's a really interesting way of of looking at it. You just because like on the one hand, like not only leaving aside my my, you know, labor union ramblings from before, <laughs> which I <laughs> I will stand by. That would have been a really cool oh, narrative absolutely. to see come to fruition. But like I think what you just said is really interesting because it's on the one hand you had things like Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part Two, and oh no, I, I was gonna say and like uh, Final Fantasy Seven remake, but that one doesn't even really kind of fit. Like those are the two big AAA titles that fit this. Like this is they are still living in what games have been doing for really as long as games have have been in three D, if not longer, which mm. is that they are they are pursuing film in a lot of ways, right? Like. Oh, I would and, I would say that Final Fantasy VII remakes pursuing film. Yeah, like 
it feels less like that because it, it is a more gamey game than either of the other two in mm-hmm. a lot of ways still. But there's, it, it there's definitely still a lot is. of moments where like you can feel The Last of Us in Final Fantasy VII's yeah. DNA. Like those those games and all of the like big AAA games that came before it, a lot of which are very good. I would put God of War 2018 into this camp wholeheartedly, and I love that game. It does a lot of stuff very well. This is not a judgment call, but a lot of the games industry has always been in this place of like we need to reach the level that film is at in terms of like you know being a an accepted quote unquote medium for mm-hmm. serious storytelling. And they've been doing that by chasing after film and taking tools from film and using things that film uses and, and you know, adopting cinematic language in the way that they present cutscenes and the way that they make the game camera work in game and all of these different things. And that's cool. And, we, and games as a medium have gotten a lot and have developed a lot for that pursuit. Hades doesn't care about being film. You, the way that you put it really, like touch something off on this for me, Dylan, but like Hades really plays to the strengths of games as a medium. The way that the story is told through not just your successes, but your failures, through the decision points that you as the player make, through all of these little things. Like it is telling a story in a way that a film can't. Right. And I think that like that is also part of what makes things like Animal Crossing so compelling is it doesn't care about being film. It's saying like, hey, we're just going to make a game that is fun to play and that makes you feel good to spend time in it. And I don't like, I'm not trying to say that one of these approaches is better than the other, but I think that the Hades approach, I find more interesting. I think that as a culture, we are limiting ourselves um, by, I guess not promoting, but, you know, only rewarding a specific type of, of storytelling in yeah. a game and yeah only only rewarding a specific type of style of game yeah when i feel like we can learn a lot more by looking at other, what other games have done not just hades but like in the past as well oh yeah 100 um, percent. i think i guess it's like yeah I, I i the the game awards are always this interesting thing to me because i feel like we can't go forward until we you know this this medium can't go forward until we start to examine more than just one kind of way to tell a story. Yeah. And I think that we, like, there have been developers doing that for years now. Like, I don't want to make it sound like Hades is the first game to do this. Like, there are tons of games going back decades that were really trying to push the bounds of, like, okay, what does it mean to tell an interactive story in a medium like video games? But I think that's kind of what, 2020 like the this this conversation and this dichotomy in 2020 was really making me feel like this is the first year that it really felt like we almost got the games that weren't trying to be movies on the same level as the games that were in like the Mm -hmm. larger culture right and that's really cool and i'm excited to see i think that's going to be happening more and more as like i think it's a side effect in part of people who grew up playing games are now old enough to be making them in yeah. greater and greater numbers every single year like that that is going to be more and more true as time goes on and i think that's when we're really going to start seeing games start developing their own storytelling language in a yeah. way that they they have been but they haven't fully gotten there yet 
and I, I feel like the people in the industry have latched on to one type of game, and that was during the 3D cinematic boom started by Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. No shade thrown at Kojima, but you yeah. know, that's, that's <laughs> he, just kind of where he did open at. a bit of a, of a Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like they've just been chasing that uh, yeah. ever since. But like you know, well, like we have other people who are like, I want to tell a story because like because this is my experience playing this game as a kid, and this is the story it it delivered to me. And I'm I'm rambling right now. Stop me, Chris. Yeah, I'll I'll stop you by saying uh, we <laughs> took a little aside that I cut out of the episode where we were like, yeah, we can wrap up real shortly and, and just skip over the playbill. We're still going to skip over the playbill, but we ended up uh, getting high-minded and philosophical there and went longer <laughs> than I think either of us intended to. Uh, but it was a cool, like, I was having fun talking about this, so I hope oh, you have absolutely. fun listening to it. Um, but with that, let us, let us wrap up. Welcome to 2021. We are going to do our damnedest to get one of these out every week like we promised to. Uh, at the beginning of all this, so we will at be least back every with you. other week. At least every other week, but that, nope, nope, we're doing it every week, Dylan. Doing it every week. All we're right, doing it do every it. week. Uh, but yeah, uh, that will do it for now. Let us. We'll get through our our plugs quickly and let you go. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this little retrospective, even if it got a little navel gazy there at the end. Um, I wouldn't say this is navel gazy. I think it's just us talking. It's talking about talking. the fine arts Hell of yeah. video games. Which is basically could be the subtitle of this podcast. The fine arts of video games. But I hope you'd enjoy listening to Backstage Gaming or the fine arts of video games. <laughs> if you did, please remember that's our 2020 to... Re, our 2021 rebranding. That's our, that's our rebranding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed listening, please do leave a rating, a review on iTunes. Tell your friends or family or... Uh, quarantine bubble about us we hope that you are all staying healthy and safe and responsible out there uh and hope we hope that we are able to be of some help in that um also if you need to know more about us or want to know more about us you can find us at our website bsgpod.com it's got info about the show it's got a contact form for me and dylan all that good stuff so go check that out if you want anything more that's bsgpod.com oh we need to plug our uh, our sister program, The Unexplored Places, they were much more uh, on top of <laughs> releasing consistently in 2020 <laughs> than we were. Uh, it's an actual play podcast about... about yeah, the, the magic of the doodle pole. Uh, <laughs> they, they are an actual play podcast currently running the Scum and Villainy game system to tell a story about space ne'er-do-wells. It's a great time. Dylan and I are both in it as cast members. I'm rolling out a new character in the next couple of... Uh, in the next couple of episodes, which will be yes, very interesting. Uh and I hope that you go give them a listen because it's a great actual play show. If you like those, you, sh- you can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com. Dylan, you have another podcast. Yeah, um, we actually recorded earlier today. Um, I like giant robots. You like giant robots. So I already did this bit, but I'm mm-hmm. panicking right now. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I am a co-host of Dude That Is Dude as in Dude Where's My Car. Dude, you remember Macross, um, which is a show about a mecha anime franchise that started in the 80s and continues almost to this day i don't know if there's been a recent coop would know better um but you know it's it's a mecha anime that's less about the the soldiers and the shooty shooty bang bang and more about the how they are part of society and how society has pop culture and this this kind of 
cross-section of all these different ideas coming together in interesting ways. And we like to recap and dissect these shows. So if that sounds like your thing, uh, you can check us out on uh, at Dude You Remember on Twitter. And you can also find us on anchor.fm slash Dude You Remember. You should also go check out the other shows on the HP Video Game Podcast Network. We They are a network of podcasts about video games that we are a part of. It's a bunch of shows looking at games from a bunch of different angles, from the side of just fans and news to the side of development to weird navel-gazy shit like what we do. It's a great network full of shows. You'll probably find something else there that you like if you like our show. So go check them out. You can find them, the uh, the network Twitter account on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork, where they're constantly retweeting all the shows. Thanks also, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It is thanks to you that we are able to do this, and thank you, as always, for your patience through the periods where we weren't able to be as consistent as we wish we could. We're going to fix that for you. And if you like the show and want to support it and help us grow it and make it better and make it, you know, help us do this more uh, in ways that we will figure out as we're able to... uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash bsgpod, check out the rewards, and help us out there. I want to do a quick personal plug. I have started streaming on twitch.tv, uh, twitch.tv slash chrsjwlsn. It's my name with no vowels because I have a very common name. Uh, I started it as a lark with some friends doing uh, some monster prom goofy voice actor streams. I'm going to keep doing those, but I've, I discovered that I really like streaming, so I'm doing that now. So you can go... Uh, follow me on Twitch if you want to. I, I'm i going to be streaming two or three times a week all through 2021, I hope, assuming that I don't get sick or die. <laughs> that's that was, I guess that's Yay! my plug for my stream. <laughs> um, anything else from you, Dylan? Nope, I, I think I'm good. All right, well then, welcome to 2021. I hope you're all having a safe and healthy new year, and we will be back to talk to you again next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.